So, um, so Easter, you know, is obviously a tradition. It's a, it's a great tradition in, in America and, and really all over the world. This past week I was actually, uh, you ever just Google something and kind of start researching it? Like, you know, uh, what's like the origin of this? You know, you start looking at the origin of history and there's a whole lot of different people with a whole lot of different, you know, thought processes about where this comes from and where that comes from. But for us, you know, this tradition, like I said earlier, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and it's come to mean that for us. But there's, there's a lot of weird traditions out there. Um, you might have weird family traditions yourself. Like, do you ever do something in your family, and you're like, we just, we've always done this, and then you really take a step back, and you're like, I mean, I know we've always done this, but this is really weird. You know, uh, one thing that our family never did, but apparently a lot of people do, is like cabbage and black-eyed peas or something like that at New Year's. Yeah, that's, I mean, and like whenever, if you've done that as a family, like there's conviction behind it. It's like that's what we do on New Year's Day is we, I don't know why though. Does it taste good together? It does. I'm sorry that I brought that up as a weird family tradition. Apparently it's meaningful. <laughs> we never did it though. Um, but uh, I was looking up weird traditions and apparently like one of the weird traditions out there is in, in India uh, with newborn babies in this certain area. <laughs> for good luck, they take the babies up to this 50-foot high temple and they throw the baby off the top of the temple. But then the family's down there with a big sheet and they catch the baby. So therefore, makes it all better, right? It doesn't. That's weird. I don't care who you are. There's nothing about that that should be done. There's nothing about it that brings good luck. But that's what, that's what they do. Um, so traditions get weird. All right, and I'm sure you've got some weird traditions. And as Easter is a tradition, it's, it's, it can't get weird, okay? Let's, we've got weird enough stuff going on, all right, around, around Easter already. But what I mean by that is the tradition surrounding the resurrection can't get weird. It also, it can't get old. You know, one thing that's kind of funny about Easter Sunday, you know, Resurrection Sunday, is, is honestly, we were talking about it earlier, now, we celebrate this every single week. <laughs> you know, every time that we come together, we talk about the significance of Jesus' life and his resurrection and what that means for us. And so today is, is sort of a normal day, right? Even though this is a special day in one sense, we, man, as believers, we celebrate this continually. This is the well of life that, that, that gives us life. This is the well, right? It gives us water, man, to, 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 to live and to to worship God and, what, and the way that we live. But, but the thing about resurrection is that resurrection follows death. It follows death. It's, it's also about life being restored. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Christ's resurrection is about life being restored to creation. You know, God, whenever he created the heavens and the earth, everything was optimal. It was good. And then sin entered into the equation, and that optimal design was destroyed. It was perverted. It was it was. It was, it's just not the same. And so we have a lot of questions even today about death and sickness. But none of that was the way that God created it originally. Sin has messed that up. But Jesus comes and begins the process of restoring all of those things back to the way that it was originally created. But it also wasn't the first resurrection we see in the Bible. And today we're going to talk about another resurrection, which it seems a little bit counterproductive. But a week before Jesus was, was killed and then was resurrected, there was another person that was resurrected. His name was Lazarus. 
And you guys might remember the story, uh, Mary and Martha, two sisters in Bethany. They, um, they were the sisters that Jesus went to their house, and Mary sat at the feet of Jesus in the living room and listened to Jesus teach. And Martha was the one in the kitchen, like, cooking the food and getting things all ready. And Martha gets mad at Mary because Mary won't come help her. You know what I'm saying? That sounds like a regular, just a Tuesday night at our house, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> I got two daughters, and they fight over everything. Anyway, they were fighting this morning about something. But uh, that's what sisters do, I guess. But, you know, so there was a disagreement there. And, and Jesus actually tells Martha, you need to calm down. Mary's actually ch- chosen the better thing. You need to put down the pots and pans or whatever you're doing in there and, and come out here and let's spend some time together. Well, this is the same, uh, these same, same two sisters. Lazarus was a part of their family. And uh, so we're going to pick up in John chapter 11, verse 3 today. The sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. He's talk, uh, they're talking about uh, Lazarus. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, the, for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So a couple of things we see about the story. Jesus loves his family. He's close to them. They're friends. Again, he frequently went back through this area. He knew them well. Uh, later on, we see that they're having dinners together. They're a close family. But we also see that Jesus has a plan for them. Immediately whenever he, he hears that Lazarus is sick, he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. So that God's son may be glorified through it. So there's a plan. You know, it, it's funny. Jesus, a lot of times, whenever people would bring him massive problems, I mean, and we would, we would say they're massive problems, he doesn't. First off, he doesn't get involved in the problem a lot of time. He sort of stays a little bit distant from it. But he also speaks like past, like, like I know you guys are only seeing this happen right here, but there's something greater that's going on that you can't see. And so immediately Jesus is trying to kind of open up their eyes to see something bigger that's, that's going on. But, uh, but he's Lazarus. He's a loved one. He's sick. But <laughs> Jesus doesn't leave immediately. You would think Jesus Hearing that his friend is sick, he's going to roll out immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah let, let's go. Like, which direction do I go? He doesn't. He hangs out for a few days. And uh, that's really not the, the best plan, right? The best plan of action. It's not something that we would say that he needs to do. We would say that he needs to get involved quickly. But he doesn't. He waits. But we pick up in verse 11. He says this. Then Jesus, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, his disciples, He said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. It's almost like Jesus waited until Lazarus, until he died, before he actually got moving. Does that ever feel like kind of what happens in your life, right? You're praying, you're praying, you're like, Jesus, something's about to happen really bad, so any time now you could kind of intervene before it gets any worse, and and then everything hits the fan, and then all of a sudden it seems like Jesus shows up, but everything's burning to the ground. You know, it's like just a day before would have been helpful, Jesus. But he waits, and he says, but I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there to wake him up. Verse 14, so then he told them plainly, his disciples, he says, Lazarus is dead. But this is interesting, verse 15. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now, in case you don't really know the story of Jesus that well, and, and as far as like his relationship with his disciples, Jesus would travel around and he would perform miracles. I'm talking 
people getting raised from the dead, people being healed, crazy things happening, blind eyes opened up. And what was amazing is that people a lot of times still doubted Jesus' power and authority over sickness and disease, even though they had seen him do it time and time again, over and over. And so, I don't know, it seems like after maybe a year or two, you would kind of pick up on the fact that Jesus can kind of overcome anything. Even for the people that were closest to him. But that was not the case. Every time that something would happen, everybody would throw up their hands. You guys ever remember that, uh, that, that movie, was it A Bug's Life? I think it's in the beginning. And, like, they have, like, the row of ants. And, like, this leaf, like, does this thing, you know. And then all of a sudden it just goes right in the middle of the line of ants. And he's like, I'm lost. And, like, throw up their hands, right, you know. And they freak out. Like, that's how I picture the disciples a lot of times. Like, you, you kind of know Jesus is in control, but then, you know what I'm saying? The leaf falls in the path, and everybody freaks out. And so, I don't know, but we do have hindsight. We read the Bible, and so we have a lot more confidence whenever we read it than them. So anyway, give them grace, right? Give them grace. He says, but let's go to them. So, so Jesus is going to wake up Lazarus, but there's another purpose of this. He also wants to wake up Lazarus' family and his friends, his disciples. He wanted to wake up their belief. They wanted to wake up their faith because for some of them, their faith was dormant. They didn't believe. So Jesus shows up, and naturally, we see here that Martha is upset. Martha and Mary, they're obviously upset. And so Martha actually leaves where everybody's mourning, and she goes out to meet Jesus. And this is what she says. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now feel that. Okay, I, I mean, I know we're reading a story today, a, a true story, but at this moment, we can kind of just say, okay, go to the next verse. Mary and Martha, they know Jesus' ability. They know his power. They're close to him. They've seen him do great things. And whenever the one that he loves is sick, Jesus doesn't show up in time. And so there's this tension of you love someone, but also... Why weren't you here? There's an anger attached to this. There's a frustration. Verse 22. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And this is Martha's answer. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You see, the, Martha believed what the Jewish tradition was, which was that there was going to be a resurrection at the last day. And so at this moment when Jesus says your brother's going to rise again, Martha's thinking like, yeah, I know, like in the last day. Sort of like a cliche type of thing. It's sort of like this right here. Ready? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. All right, I had to do it, I had to do it. It's, people say that a lot, and that, exactly just like that. Like we, we, get, we get those, those cliches, but whenever stuff hits the fan, whenever it gets difficult, it's not so easy at that moment just to, to say God is good. And that's where Martha is at right here, right? She's feeling that, and so when Jesus comes and says, your brother's going to rise again. She's like, yeah, I know. That's kind of what we always say at every funeral. Like that, I, I, I believe that, Jesus. It's cliche. 
her, her belief system, although she was holding tightly to it, it didn't quite fix the problem. You know what I'm saying? And Martha, I, I picture her kind of a studious person. Yeah, she was all busy in the kitchen, right, earlier. And, and she's probably a studier and all that kind of stuff. So she's, she's up in her head a lot. And so she's got this head knowledge, this head belief. But you know what? Sometimes you can have head belief, but it, it's not in your heart. It's the thing that you say because you know it's the right answer. I mean, I don't know if you went to Sunday school growing up, but like, you, I mean, read your Bible and pray more. Like, that was the answer to everything. Jesus, you know, just, just say those three things and like you got your answer for every problem. But, but at some age, that runs out of gas. At some age. I was about 16. Whenever I was like, yeah, these answers are thin. Why? Because I had it up here, but man, I didn't have a revelation of it. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't truth. It was just a... I mean, it was truth, but it, I don't know, man. It just wasn't, it wasn't truth to me. Sometimes it's because we believe in our head and not our heart. But Jesus is about to change the way that Martha believes, and hopefully us today. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks a big question to her. Do you believe this? I know that you believe what you've always been taught, the resurrection of the last day. And I know that you believe that. But do you believe this, that I am that resurrection that everybody's talking about? You're looking at him. He's right here. I am that life. Do you believe this? And I mean, for us, it's just like a question mark. And then we go to verse 27. I wonder how long she actually stood there and thought about this. How long? For a lot of us, that, that statement, that verse about Jesus claiming to be the resurrection and the life, some of you have been dealing with that for many years. Whether or not you really believe that, whether or not you really believe what the Bible says, is it true? It, are the things that Jesus claimed to be real and true? And if so, are they still real and true for me today? That's the implication of this question. But she answers and she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. This was something that separated her from a lot of Jews in that day. To believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that was not just a, something lightly to say. That was picking a side. And she picks a side here. She says, no, Jesus, I believe it. Even though my brother is dead... And I really wish you were here. I still believe that you're the Messiah. Martha had the tradition but was missing the truth. She had been overlooking Jesus as the truth, as the resurrection this entire time. And so she had the tradition but not the truth. And, and this is my question to you today. Am I aware of the tradition but missing the truth? It's Easter. A lot of people here. For some of you, I mean, I know this is like the first time you've been to church in a long time. And that's fine. And we're excited that you're here. But it, it, it still begs the question. It's like, but what, why are we here? Like what's, the, like, what's the real reason we're here? And, and is the reason that we're here, like, this is either real or it's not. You know, like, Paul says in one of his books, he says, he says, if the resurrection is not real, we are to be pitied. Like, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then what are we doing here? This is really weird. It's kind of strange. It's fictitious. 
am I aware of the truth or just the tradition? But Jesus sends Martha to get her sister. They have this little powwow, this little conversation. But Martha's still back at the house. And so, so he sends Martha to get Mary to bring Mary out to where he is. This is what, what happens. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And she repeats what her sister said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I think it's interesting in the Bible. The last time that we see Mary at Jesus' feet. She's sitting there. She's listening to his teaching. She wants to be there. She's joyful. She's excited. She's sitting with Jesus. The next time she comes, she's probably remembering that, but in a much different way. She's at the feet of Jesus. With, with, she's very sad, but she's also upset. She's angry. And I think sometimes maybe for us, we've sat at the feet of Jesus Maybe we were raised up in church. Maybe we had an experience with Jesus and it was so positive and it was good. And then something happened. And like we walk away from that place and we never come back. And I think for some of you today is that day to like come back. And that's right. You'll come back with your baggage. You'll come back with your anger, with your frustration. Some of you might be where Mary and Martha was. They lost somebody close to them, and they believed that God could heal them, that Jesus would show up, and he just didn't seem to come through. Maybe that was, there was that relationship that fell apart, and it's difficult, and Mary is feeling this. Martha might have been a little bit more up here. Mary's feeling it. She's upset, and I think we can find ourselves in both of them. For some of you, you're more the heady type. I'm, I'm kind of like up here. It's kind of where I live. I live up in my head. I think a lot. My feelings, they're going to follow what I think. You know what I'm saying? For some of you, you think how you feel. Whatever you feel, right? That, that's what you follow. But either place, I can tell you this right now. Every, every single one of us, we, we either have a Lazarus in our life right now or we've had one in the past. We've had a situation that was very difficult. Man, we, we were hoping for the best and the worst case scenario took place. And, and it... And it it pulls something out of us. Even as believers in Jesus, it pulls really difficult questions out of us. I know for me that's where I've been many times. Many times. Sometimes not even for me and my family, but like for other people that I'm close to. You know, I talked about uh, Paul Alonzo a second ago. I mean, you know, we pray for his healing. I believe that God can heal. But, you know, it's tough whenever you see somebody that you love pass away. From something that you know God has authority over. And so what happens is you, you can kind of push up against this wall of belief. Now, now for me, I really hit a, I hit a wall in what I just described when I was, about, I was about 22 years old. Somebody that we were close to passed away. And I struggled big time, big time with, with my faith in God through something like that. And in those times is actually where you, you really build your faith in God. You really learn more about his heart and his plan and his sovereignty. And then on the other side of that, you actually find hope. It's sort of like if you've been through some really tough times, maybe in your marriage, and you're on the other side of that tough time and you look back and like you realize that your relationship is stronger than it was before that. 
You know what I'm saying? Think about just even with a friend. Like everything's cool, everything's cool, and then you hit a couple of bumps in the road, and some people quit on those friendships, but if you make it through that time, you look back, and, and then you, you, like, you can laugh about those hard times later on, but they were really tough in the moment. Your, your trust was built. In tough times, that's where our trust and our faith in God is built. Believe it or not, it's not, it's not in the good times. It's in the times of resistance. It's in the times of disappointment where, where, where faith rises up. So Mary and Martha, they're feeling this. But I want to bring out something. What you see Mary and Martha do is you see both of them come out of where they are and pursue Jesus. Jesus went a certain way to a certain point and he stopped. And then they had to come to him. You ever been upset with somebody and you didn't want to see their face? You know what I'm saying? Like, like they walk in the room and you're like, <sighs> let alone if you're upset with them and they're like, hey, can you meet me out here? They're like, no. You come to me. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Mary and Martha, they're upset. And Jesus is like, hey, come meet me out here. There's a frustration, man. We have to put ourselves where this story's at. The Bible talks about us drawing near to God, both in the good and the bad times. But it's a, it's a lot harder in the bad times. And I want to encourage you, if you're in a bad time right now, to not do the thing that you feel like you want to do, which is to run. Like even as I'm talking about this right now, you might be totally cringing right now. Like, dude, just, just move on, move on. I just got to get to the photo booth and take a picture. <laughs> and then I can go eat food. Gosh. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dumb. Jesus said, come out to me. I, I, I think God will use an Easter service to call out to you and say, come closer to me. Like, reconsider what truth is. Reconsider whether or not you've, you've truly come to Jesus in, in the bad times, in the brokenness, and truly trusted him. Verse 33, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. Now, deeply moved in spirit actually means outraged. He was upset. Like, there was some anger attached to this. And he was troubled. He was saddened. He was disturbed. And he asks this question, where have you laid him? And she says, come, come and see, Lord. And in verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wasn't emotionally disconnected from the situation. Y'all, look, so many people read the Bible like this. And Jesus said, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. Like, it's boring, this lifeless. No, there is emotion in this. Like, Jesus is present. He's not just present in body. He's present in emotion and in spirit. He is in this with them, and he weeps. 
But why was he mad? Why was he sad? There's a lot of different ideas that people think that why Jesus was mad or upset. One is obvious. His friend is dead. Jesus is experiencing death from this side as a, as a friend. He's seeing people he loves. They're hurt. Maybe it was their sin. Maybe he's seeing their unbelief. Can you imagine how many miracles he's done and people are still not quite sure? They're still weeping. They're still mourning. There's a, a, a kind of a, a little bit of, guys, we've been here before, you know? Believe in me. Trust in me. Maybe it was the reality of human suffering. Jesus being there with as, as human, right? God in flesh experiencing what we experience. Hebrews talks about that. We don't have a high priest that has not been through what we've been through. He was tempted. He experienced things like we have. But we have to remember the plan that he laid out in verse 4. Remember, remember, he said, this sickness will not end in death. Can you imagine how confused his disciples are? Jesus, you said that, like, like you know, Thomas is like, oh, he, got, he got this one wrong, you know. What's funny is earlier, whenever they say that let's go to, Jesus is like, let's go, you know, to, to where uh, they're at. Last time he was there, people threatened to kill him. And uh, Thomas is like, well, I guess let's go with Jesus and let's, let's go to die. Like a lot of faith, you know what I'm saying? He was really, really had a lot of faith and trust in Jesus. And, and here he is, he's dead. But Jesus is not done. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 39, it says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. You're the next verse. By this time, there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. That is true. It's going to be tough. <laughs> But Jesus said, didn't I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He's reminding them again. So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. There was a purpose behind all of this. That everyone that's there would know that he is actually for real the Messiah. And he actually has the power and authority over sin and death and sickness. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So Jesus promises at the beginning. He's like, this sickness is not going to end in death. He does die. Jesus follows through with what he said he's going to do. Lazarus comes back from the dead. What does that mean for us? First question for a lot of you is, is this even true? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus has the power and authority over sickness and death? Is your faith in Christ? And if so, how does this change our lives today? Well, Jesus' death had to be done because he paid the price of sin. That's another thought a lot of people struggle with. Is, is like, am I actually a sinful person? Am I actually far from God? Because a lot of times we think that we're good. 
right? I'm really a good person. I have a good heart. Do you? Like, do we really have a good heart? The Bible says otherwise, that we are actually dead in sin. But we trust in a God who has overcome death and sin. And this is what you got to hear today. Like, like you are not redeemed or brought to new life in Christ based upon how good you act. That, that's not the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You're brought to new life in Christ by the reality that Jesus died for you and took on your sin and death and overcame it. He proved it here with Lazarus that he has power and authority. He proved it again a week later whenever he was the one that came out the tomb. And here today, we're confronted with this idea that is Easter and the resurrection just this tradition that is lifeless and powerless. It's just something that we do once a year and we talk about once a year. Or is this a reality that actually brings us life here today? That based upon our faith and trust in the name and the power of Jesus, that in the last day, the last day that Martha was talking about, that we will be raised to new life. And this hope that I'm talking about it is, it's not just a hope for the last day. That hope is a hope for today. I believe that Jesus brings life into every situation in our life. That even whenever our life hits a wall, that we still have a hope that overcomes that. And that, that's my hope for you today. Is that in every situation of life that, you, you know, whenever you hit a wall, whenever something difficult happens, that doesn't feel like the end for you. But without Jesus, without hope for eternity, what we see here and now is basically it. It's basically it. And Jesus wants more for you than that. He wants you to receive him today. I want to pray with you today. That the, that the life that Jesus has given to Lazarus, that he himself, how he overcame sin in the grave, that you would taste of that life and that you would recognize that he's real. Easter's not just a tradition, right? The resurrection's not just a tradition, it's truth. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the life that we have in Jesus. God, we thank you for sending Jesus to this earth to die on our behalf, to be resurrected to where today we can stand in hope. We can stand in faith. And we can believe that you are more than enough for us today. God, I'm asking that you would reveal your heart to each and every one of us today. God, that this story of resurrection would not be one that is thin, be one that is just fictitious, but God, it would be one that is real. God, that you would reach inside of us and change our hearts. God, today if we find ourselves in Mary and Martha's position, God, I'm praying that you would turn the page on the story. For those that have experienced great loss in their life, God, I'm praying that you would begin to show them how you're working on their behalf. How you're working 
to wake up their belief, to wake up their faith. Fill their hearts with grace and peace and joy in the midst of pain. For those who are experiencing success, God, those who, they're in a high point of life, God, I'm praying that you would help them in this moment to look back to you. God, for all of us, that we would not forget you on the bad days, but God, that we would not forget you in the good times either. Lord, that we would be continually drawn to you. And God, that you call us out of our mourning, that you call us out of darkness, that you call us out of those areas and show us the way back to you. We are so grateful for the truth. We're so grateful for your word, God. Right now, if you're far from God and you just want to recommit your life to him, maybe for the first time you want to submit your heart to God, just say this. Say, Father, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. I believe that you died for my sin. And I want to receive you into my life right now. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the resurrection. And I believe today. In Jesus' name, amen.